We're going to take a little week off from Mark. We've been hitting it hard. I like to do that from time to time, especially when we've been six or eight weeks in going through a book. I like to kind of put us a little break in there and kind of take a break from it and let everything settle. So today, we will not be in Mark. We finished up Mark chapter 4 last week, and so that's kind of a good breaking point for us before we before we move along, we finish the first quarter of the book, and uh, we will get back to Mark next week, Lord willing. But today we're going to be in the book of Jonah. That's in the Old Testament, kind of a short book, so it may be hard for you to, to find. You may have to flip through it by it a couple times to find it, but that's okay. Jonah, just four little chapters. We won't read all of them today. Although I would, if y'all would stay long enough, we'd start in verse 1 and we'd go all the way through till tonight. I'd, I'd be glad to do that. It is a good book. But we're just going to do one chapter today, a whole chapter. It's only ten verses, though, so don't, don't panic too much. Short little chapter, but this is a good chapter. It's one of my favorite, one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite uh, chapters in the Bible. I love this story, I guess maybe because I feel like I can relate to it, and maybe some of you... I will too. I'm sure some of you have read it. If you've never read it before, though, uh, it's a good it's a good chapter of, of Jonah reaching out to the Lord in his time of distress. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Jonah, chapter two, starting in verse one. A little bit of background before we jump into the text this morning. If you're not familiar with the story of Jonah. Jonah was a man of God that God called to go to a place called Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrians. Now, if you read the Bible much, you will see that Assyria is mentioned quite frequently. The Assyrian people were not nice people. They were evil people. Eventually, the Assyrians took over the northern part of Israel in the Old Testament. It took over the northern ten tribes. Uh, Because Israel was being disobedient, God handed them over to their enemies, and in that case, it was the Assyrians. So they were, not, they were not good people. They were evil people in the Lord's sight. They did evil things. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh and to preach to the people, to let them know that if they didn't turn their way around, God was going to bring destruction on them. By turn their way around, I mean repent. When we see the word repent in the Bible, that's what that means. It means to turn away from what you're doing. Now, in the case of sin, that's when we typically think of the word repent because we are trying to turn from the evil in our lives and we are turning not just from the evil, but we are turning to the Lord. That's what the Lord desires of us. Uh, The Lord also desires for us to produce fruit worthy of repentance. That's what we see John the Baptist telling those that he's preaching to uh, at the beginning uh, of his ministry. He's telling the people, look, You need to produce fruit that is worthy or consistent uh, with repentance. Now, the people of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and many of the Jews, they were very religious and they were doing lots of works, but their their works and the things that they were doing uh, were not consistent with repentance. That is, they were saying they followed the Lord, but they weren't living like they followed the Lord. And Paul said, look, you need to produce fruit in your life that's consistent with you being a follower of the Lord, that people can see that in your life. Now that's what the Lord desires of us, and that's what He desired of the people of Nineveh. Now, they were evil people, and even in the midst of all the evil that they had done, He still desired to have mercy on them. Isn't that a beautiful thing? 
that if God can have mercy on some of the most evil people in the world, well, that should give us hope because maybe even some of us in this room may consider ourselves to be some of the most evil people in the world. But I will tell you that the Scripture is full of God's grace and mercy. And He desired to give grace to the evil then, and He desires to give grace to the evil now. So God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. He did not want to go there. Now maybe part of the problem was because he didn't want them to be forgiven. Maybe he wanted them to get the justice that he thought they deserved. And so instead of going to Nineveh, where God had called him to, instead he got on a ship and he began to head in the opposite direction of Nineveh. But on his journey, the ship began to be tossed. The storm was coming in. The storm was raging. It was getting worse and worse, kind of similar to what we read last week in Mark as we talked about uh, the winds and the waves coming in and the disciples were afraid. And the people on the storm knew that this was a storm uh, of godly proportions. And they were praying to their gods and the storm was raging on and they woke up Jonah and they said, you need to pray to your God that we can find out who's responsible for this. Why are we in such a storm? Why are we being punished in such a way? We need... We need somebody's God to deliver us. Now, Jonah knew what was going on. He knew that it was God, the one and only God, not these gods that these sailors might have been praying to. But he knew it was Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God who had called him to Nineveh. Jonah knew that he was in this situation because the Lord had brought this situation upon them. And Jonah told the guys on the ship, You've got to throw me overboard. You've got to throw me overboard. Well, the, 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 the crew did not want to do that because they were afraid. He said, look, I was running from the Lord. He had already told them he was running from the Lord, and they acknowledged that. And he said, look, the only way to spare this ship and to spare everything that's going on here and, and to calm it down is for you to throw me overboard. And fearfully, the men threw Jonah overboard of the ship. And it says that after they threw him overboard that they began to make sacrifices to the Lord. So even in the midst of this horrible situation, they begin to acknowledge and call out to the God of Jonah. And as soon as they threw Jonah overboard, immediately the sea began to get calm. The winds begin to cease. Now this is not an uncommon type of scene for us in the Bible. At least we see this idea of a, of, of a storm at sea or a tough time at sea. Uh, we see this idea really all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. It kind of present itself in some different ways. Last week we saw that Jesus was in the boat asleep. The disciples were there as the storm was coming and the winds and the waves were raging and they wake up Jesus and say, Teacher, don't you even care? Don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus said, well, why are you afraid? Why don't you have any faith? He had calmed the seas with a word. And we see that, that opportunity for the Lord to work in that instance. In that instance, the apostles were able to see Jesus do this miracle. And even though they knew he was the Messiah, even then they were, they were, just, they were just astounded at what it took place. Who is this? Who is this that he can calm the winds and the waves and the sea? And so there we see a stormy situation where God was able to work and people were able to grow closer to Him by seeing the work that was done. We see another story in the New Testament, a story of Paul who is getting ready to stand trial because of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had done no wrong. And he's working his way up through all of these Roman leaders because he appeals to Caesar because the Jewish people want to kill him. They don't want to give him a fair trial. And so Paul is on a, a, a boat ride, a journey, and on this ship they encounter bad weather. 
And their ship runs a, against a sandbar and they crash and they end up on this island of Malta and through all of those things in that shipwreck. Even still, God is able to do work that the people are able to see. And here we have another good example today of a stormy situation. And in all of these stormy situations, guess what? God always does a miraculous work. As bad as things are, as scary as things are for those who are involved, in all of those instances, God uses a storm to teach His people something, to draw His people closer to Him. Now, I would venture to say that the Lord still does the same thing in our lives today. Now, it may be a physical storm. We may one day be on a boat in a storm. And if we are, maybe we'll remember some of these stories and we'll trust in the Lord. But as we talked last week, there are many storms that come in our life, difficulties, hard times, sadnesses, sicknesses. There are lots of these storms that come in our life. And just as God was trying to teach his people something then, I believe that God tries to teach us things now. Maybe it's because we're like Jonah and we've not done what God called us to do. And we're running from the Lord. Well, he has a way of making situations stormy in our life. I can tell you that because when I felt God calling me to the ministry, I did not run into the ministry. I ran away from the ministry. And boy, things got stormy in my life. And guess what? I realized, just like Jonah, I know where this storm's coming from. This storm's coming from the Lord because he wants to get my attention. And so sometimes we may have situations like that in our life. These storms that come... And it may be that God is trying to get our attention. It may be that God is trying to make sure that our faith is in Him the way it should be. That we don't fear when those things come. That God is preparing us maybe for bigger, tougher, harder things that we may experience. And so when we see these storms in the Bible, I think that God gives us these type of stories because they are a good application in our life that we can understand because we go through similar circumstances. So the scene is set for us. The storm has been raging. Jonah has been tossed over the boat, over the edge of the boat into the sea, and the storm ceases. Now, upon Jonah entering into the water, water he is eaten by a big fish. And that's where Jonah chapter 2 picks up. This is where we will start today. With Jonah in the belly of the big fish. He was in there for three days and three nights. And Jonah chapter 2 is Jonah's prayer to the Lord in this difficult time of distress in his life. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you this morning. I pray that you just would let your Holy Spirit speak to us, that there's something in your word that we all need to hear today, dear Lord. And God, you can bring that out. I can't bring it out, but I pray, God, that some words uh, that I say today may be, dear Lord, of you, and they will help someone, God. I pray that every word I say will be of you, and that God, your words that we read, God, that your spirit will speak through your words that we see on the pages of our Bibles. And God, I pray that you just speak to us today and help us if we're in any storm. And I just pray that you hide me behind the cross and let us, let us have a good service in this morning. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jonah chapter 2 verse 1. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. You heard my voice. Now here is Jonah in the midst of this most difficult situation. Now he knows he's done wrong. 
He's just come through a storm. Things went from bad to worse. He comes out of the storm and goes into the big fish. And here he is with nowhere to go and nothing to do. Where's he going to go? If you're in the belly of a big fish, you're pretty much stuck. It's dark, it's slimy, it's nasty, it's dirty, it's probably smelly. And he is really in about the worst situation you could, you could be without dying. Now he's in a bad situation here. And as he's there, the first thing it says he does is he called out to the Lord in his distress. He called out to the Lord. Now I'll tell you today that if you're in distress, that needs to be the first thing that you do. The first thing that you and I need to do when we are in distress is we need to call out to the Lord. Sadly, though, sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes when we are in distress, the first thing we do is we, we, we feel sorry for ourselves. We give up. We get depressed. We get discouraged. There are lots of things that we often do in our distress that are the wrong things. Things that really get us more distressed than we already are. They put us in a worse attitude, in a worse place than we were to begin with. But Jonah gives us the answer. He gives us the blueprint on what we need to do. And you say, well, you don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know how bad it is. Well, I don't know how bad it is, and I'm not belittling your situation. You may be in a very bad situation right now. But Jonah was in a pretty bad situation too. He was in about as bad a situation as you could be in. But yet in the middle of all of that, he knew where to turn. Even though he had turned from God, he knew that he needed to return to God in this situation. And in his distress, he called out to the Lord. Now that may be what some of us need to do today. There may be some of you in this room that are struggling. And maybe in your distress, you've turned to a lot of things. Maybe you've turned to bad habits. Maybe you've turned to drugs or alcohol. Maybe you've turned to a hobby. Maybe you've turned to money. Maybe you've turned to you name it, whatever it may be. There are a lot of things that are easy for us to turn to in our distress, but there's only one thing that will get us through our times of distress, and that is Jesus Christ. And Jonah knew who to call out to in his time of distress, and he called out to the Lord. He said, I called out to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. Now, isn't that good stuff? You know what we kind of like to do if we, if, we, uh, if, you know, if we have a problem with somebody and we're trying to you know, get them to do the right thing and they don't do it and then they end up in a mess when they, when they call us back and tell us. Sometimes we like to say, well, I told you so. You should have listened to me. But that's not the heart that we see the Lord having here. Now, God could have said and maybe would have been right in doing so and saying, Jonah, you should have listened to me. This is what you get. You made your bed. You lay in it now, buddy. Now, God could have done those things and probably would have been just in doing those things. But he didn't. Even though Jonah had turned and run away from God, when he returned to God, God answered him. When he called to God in his distress, God answered him. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. Now, Sheol is the realm of the dead, or sometimes it's uh, called the grave in the Old Testament. He's saying he's as good as dead. He's 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 got nothing to live for. He's in the worst place that he could possibly be. 
Death is before him. He doesn't know if he's getting out of this well or not, or big fish, whatever kind of fish it was. He doesn't know if he's going to make it out. For all he knows, this is going to be the end. He knows that his only hope, his only help, if there is any to be found, is going to be in the Lord. And when he called out to the Lord, the Lord heard his voice. Let's read a little further in verse 3. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. Now, we can probably relate to Jonah there. At least some of you can. Because there are probably times in your life that you have felt banished from the sight of God. There have been times in your life where you've probably felt, and maybe right now, that you've sinned so much that there's no way that God could forgive you again. He's already forgiven you for that sin a hundred times, two hundred times, a thousand times. Surely God's tired of forgiving me. Surely God's done with me this time. Surely God sees how bad a shape I'm in. Surely God sees how much sin I've committed. Surely God won't have anything to do with me anymore. That's probably about what Jonah felt like. But I said, I'm banished from the Lord. He knew he had been banished from the Lord's sight. He knew he had sinned against the Lord. He knew he was receiving just punishment for the evil that he had done. But even in his feelings of banishment, even in the midst of his sin, he says, yet I will look once more to your holy temple. Now, when he's talking about holy temple here, I believe he's speaking symbolically of where the Lord dwells. He's saying, I will look once more to the Lord. I will look once more. Even though I've continued to sin, even though I've really blown it, even though I've done things that I shouldn't have done, even though I know I was in the wrong, even though I know I don't deserve any forgiveness, God, I'm going to look to you once more. One more time, God, I'm going to call on you because there's nowhere else I can go. There's no one else I can turn to. There's no help or hope for my situation. So, Lord, once more, I look to you. I look to the heavens. I look to where you are, and I call out to you, dear Lord. Some of you get that. Maybe all of you get it. Because we've probably, if we're a follower of the Lord and we seek Him, you probably uttered words similar to that. If not with your mouth, you may have made that cry with your heart. And you may be sitting here today, and in your distress, you may be discouraged and depressed and ready to give up. And you may say, I've called out to the Lord. God's not going to want to forgive me anymore. I've really blown it this time. I've really gone too far. I've really done, gone uh, too far and don't, done too much. But I want to tell you today, call out to the Lord once more. Just once more. And when you see Him next time, and you feel banished next time, you know what you do? You call out to the Lord once more. And once more. And once more. And by the time you get to the end of your life, that once more may have added up to a million times. But every time we seek the Lord... Every time we call out to Him, I believe He answers us. I believe He hears us. Even though we have really bought it. When our heart, I'm talking about our heart, really comes back to the Lord. I'm not talking about, oh, I'm just going to keep on living and sin because it's fun. I'm going to say, okay, Lord, I'm crying out to you. All right, please forgive me and help me to get to heaven one day. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what Jonah was doing. He wasn't paying the Lord lip service here. Jonah's heart was broken. It was a humble and a contrite heart, and that's what the Scripture says God will not reject. 
That's what God desires from us. And He called out to the Lord once more. And today may be your once more. And tomorrow may be your once more again. And the next day may be your once more again. But I want to tell you today, if you're distressed, if you're living in distress, if you're living in sin, and you're living in sorrow, and you're living in worry, and you're living in pain, and you're living in heartache, I want to tell you to call out to the Lord once more. And maybe God doesn't answer you in the way you want to be answered. Or maybe He doesn't answer as quickly as you want Him to answer. And so what do we do in those times? We call out to the Lord once more. Jonah gives us a beautiful blueprint of what many of our lives are like. Even though we may not be in the belly of a big fish, we do find ourselves in a lot of tough situations because of the sin in our life. And Jonah gives us the blueprint on exactly what we need to do when we find ourselves in those situations. Let's continue on, verse 5. The waters engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its prison bars closed behind me forever. But you raised my life from the pit. Lord my God, as my life was fading away, I remembered Yahweh. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. He's describing a situation as being in a, in, a, in, a, in a prison at the bottom of the sea. He's as low as you can go, literally speaking. Physically speaking, in this world, he was as low as you could go. Here he is in the belly of this big fish. He's at the, the base of the mountains where the mountains rise from the oceans. And here he is. He feels like he's in prison forever. But he praises God because he says, You raised my life from the pit. As his life was fading away, as his life was about gone, he thought death was before him. There was no hope for him. As his life was fading away, I remembered Yahweh. He said, I remembered God. As my life was fading away, I remembered God. You see, he knew God. You can't remember God if you don't know God. Jonah knew God, and Jonah remembered God. Now that's sad to say that sometimes followers of God forget God. Not that we forget He exists totally, but sometimes we forget God and that we kind of leave Him out of our lives. Well, God's there and that's good. He's just kind of in the corner. Kind of like an old toy with a child kind of gets stuck in the corner and you know you got it, but you just kind of forget about it. You don't play with it anymore. It's not fun anymore. You've gotten all the good out of it. And sometimes, sad to say, that's exactly what followers of the Lord do. God's good to us. He blesses us. He delivers us from our troubles. And then we go on about our life and we kind of forget about God. We kind of put Him in the corner. We don't really think much about Him until the storm blows up, until the waves begin to rage, until we find ourselves in the belly of the big fish, and isn't it amazing how quickly we remember the Lord? We remember Him quick, don't we? Sometimes we may say, boy, why does God allow people to go through such tough circumstances? Well, maybe God knows that as human beings, that's what it takes for us to call out to Him sometimes. It would be wonderful if it didn't take those things. But I would venture to say that in 
your life and in my life and probably most people's lives that some of the times that we are closest to the Lord probably follows some of the most difficult times that we've ever been in. Now, it may be consequences for sin may be our difficult time. Or it may just be something else, just some, something that's going on in our life that's just weighing us down. And I can say in my life that most of the time, the closest I've ever been to the Lord has been coming out of a really difficult situation. You know why? Because it's in those times that I really trust the Lord, that I give up trying to do it on my own, that I realize just how wretched I am as a sinner, that I realize just how hopeless I am, how out of control I am, that's tough, right? Because we like to be in control. We love to be in control. And sometimes, even as Christians, we think we are in control of our lives. But you're not. And hard times make us aware of that. When our loved one gets sick, and there's nothing we can do about it. When we're about to lose our job, and there's nothing we can do about it. There are situation after situation that arise arises in our life that where is nothing we can do about. And in those times we realize there's only one who is in control of every and any situation and that is the Lord. And in those times we remember the Lord. As his life was fading away, Jonah remembered the Lord. Now there may be some of you today and you feel like your life is fading away. You feel like God doesn't want anything to do with you. But I want to remind you today to remember the Lord. Verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you. With a voice of thanksgiving, I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now there's a lot of truth there. There's a great truth there in verse 8 that we need to realize. And that is those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. Now what we really desire in life is to be loved. We want to be in loving relationships and faithful love comes from God and God alone. You see, we try to find love and satisfaction and hope and security in a lot of things. Worthless idols, we could call those things. Now we say, oh, I don't worship any idols. Well, we probably don't have any carved images that we have sitting on our mantle at home that we pray to. But there are many things that we try to find comfort and security and satisfaction in. And Jonah says those who cling to those type of things forsake faithful love. If we want something that's really going to satisfy and fulfill us, then we need to seek the Lord. We don't need to cling to what is worthless. We need to cling to what is... Uh, there cannot even be any value put on it, and that is the Lord and the love of the Lord. And that's what Jonah had discovered here. That's what he had been reminded of. That's what he remembered here. That's what he realized here. He knew where to turn to. And he was not turning to anything of the world to save him. Because in our deepest, darkest times, there is nothing in the world that can save us except for the Lord. But as for me, Jonah says, as for me, I'm not one of those who cling to worthless idols and forsake faithful love. As for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. 
I will fulfill what I have vowed. Well, that's good stuff right there. Now, in a sense, we all make a vow to the Lord. In a sense, when we come to Jesus Christ and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, what we are saying is, Lord Jesus, you are my Savior and I am your servant and I come to you and I desire to be obedient to you and be faithful to you and to serve you in any way that I can. And in a way, we're making a vow with the Lord. We're, we're coming to Jesus Christ and we're submitting ourselves and humbling ourselves before Him, saying, Lord, I'm yours. Do with, you, do with me what you will. And sometimes what the Lord wills to do with us is something we don't want to do. And that's exactly what got Jonah into this mess in the first place. He did not want to do what the Lord wanted him to do. Even though he was a man of God, a man who served God, he finally met his limit. It was those evil, evil Assyrians. He was not ready to do what God had called him to do. At least not in chapter 1. Didn't take long though, did it? Nine verses in. The end of chapter 2. Jonah's heart changed. He said, Lord, I'm ready. But as for me, I will sacrifice, uh, sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. And Jonah's ready to go. He's ready to go to Nineveh. He's raring to go. And he says, salvation is from the Lord. He knew who to call out to. He knew the only one that could bring him salvation, redemption, grace, mercy. He knew he was the only one who could get him out of that situation. And it was the Lord. And I want to tell you today, the words that Jonah uttered in that big fish are true today. Salvation is from the Lord, period. That's it. That's it. If you're in the middle of distress, if you've forgotten about the Lord, if your sin is heavy upon you, then I want to tell you, call out to the Lord in your distress, and He will answer you. I want to tell you, if you feel like your sins are up against you and there's no way God will forgive you, I want to encourage you, call out to Him one more time. If you feel that, that, that God is calling you to do something, then do what He's calling you to do, even if you don't want to. Even if you don't like it. Even if it's hard. Let's do it. And pray that God would help us to want to do it. And know that no matter what you're going through in your life, that salvation, deliverance, repentance, or redemption come only from the Lord. Jonah realized that. And maybe there are some of you today that realize it. If you're here today and you never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want you to call out to Him. Maybe you've never called out to Him. I want you to do it today. If the Holy Spirit leads you and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then put your faith and trust in Him. Call out to Him. Maybe some of you are already His and you've gotten off track. Call out to Him one more time. Call out to Him in your distress and know that He will hear and know that He will be near. Let's pray. Father God, we come to You this morning. I thank You for... These words, dear Lord, and I pray that they would help us in our lives. God, maybe there are some today that's doing good and they're not in distress or trouble. I pray that you keep them safe and keep them in obedience to you. Maybe there are others, dear Lord, that are here today and God, they're, they're yours, but they're not doing good. They are in distress. They are in trouble, God. And they just feel the burden of sin and worry and all the things of this world, dear Lord. I pray that they call out to you one more time. 
I pray that they'd call out to you today, that they would remember you, dear Lord. That they don't forget your love, that they don't forget your grace, that they don't forget that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the forgiveness of their sins. He didn't die on the cross so we carry our sins with us and feel the burden and shame of them every day. But God, He died on the cross so that we can be forgiven and feel the freedom that comes through Him. So God, I pray that if there are some today that are yours, that have forgotten you, that hadn't called out to you, that today they'd call out to you one more time, dear Lord. And I pray, God, that if there are some in this room that have never called out to you, they may just be tossed and turned and, and in the waves of life, dear Lord God. I pray today that they would know that there is salvation and nobody other than Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, that there's no, there's no joy, there's no peace to be found in this world except for in you. And God, I pray that if there's some that's never put their faith and trust in you today, that today that they would come to Jesus, that they would put their faith in Him, that they would trust Him with all their heart, that they would humble themselves before Him and ask for forgiveness, that they would live to serve Him, dear Lord, and that they would follow through in baptism just as He commanded. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.